Good morning, good morning. Man, it's been a wild morning. I, uh, we were almost all the way here to church, and Livney decides to start puking all over the place. Uh, thankfully, this morning, my wife was with me as well, so she was able to take care of it. Amen. Um, but they're, they're downstairs. I think they're still wiping up the mess. Uh, so pray for them. Now, now that I know some sort of sickness is going around, I'm wondering if that's what it is. We thought it might just be motion sickness, but um, man, it's, it's good to be here. I, I, uh, I went to bed last night at like 1.30 and I set my alarm for 6.30 and it said my alarm would go off in six hours. And I was a little confused. I'm like, hold on, that math doesn't, doesn't work out right, but uh, turns out I, I guess we got an extra hour of sleep last night, so that's, that's always a blessing. Um, Turn to Jeremiah chapter 42, please. Jeremiah chapter 42. Now, you know, Christian, you've got two sets of eyes and two pairs of ears. You're like, no, no, I got a, I got a pair of eyes. And, no, you have two pairs of eyes and you have two pairs of ears. Your flesh has a pair of eyes and ears but your soul also has a pair of eyes and ears. In, in, in the book of Matthew, the, the disciples are talking to Jesus and they're asking him, hey, why, why are these people not understanding these parables that you're giving? Why, why are you speaking in parables? And Jesus Christ says, so that the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled, he says, seeing they see not, and hearing they hear not, neither shall they understand. So I'd like to ask you this morning, Christian, what pair of eyes and ears are you going to use this morning as we look into the Word of God? If, if you come in and you get irritated by the preaching, I'd like you to think to yourself, is that your flesh that's getting irritated, or is it the Spirit of God within you? When, when you come to the Old Testament, like the book of Jeremiah, if you read the things here in the Old Testament, you'll find out what's going to happen in the future. And you say, well, yeah, because of prophecy and things like that. That's not what I'm talking about. In the book of Ecclesiastes, it says, The thing that shall be hath already been. It also says there's nothing new under the sun. One of the things men and women learn from history is that we don't really learn from history, now do we? I I can think of a, a few things a few different ways I think we, we learn. One of them is directly, directly from God. I think that's the best way to learn, is directly from Him. But you can also learn from your own mistakes, and you can also learn from other people's mistakes. There was a, here's just a real practical example of learning from my own mistakes. Um, I have a, a CNC machine that I, that I run for my business, and the... Uh, this CNC machine has a spindle, and it's spinning at 5,000 RPM, and it's got a, a tool in the end of it. It's called an end mill. It's basically just like a drill bit with a flat end. It's meant for horizontal lateral cuts instead of vertical. And, uh, and I needed to pause the machine because I, I needed to work on something. I needed to like tighten down a clamp more or something like that. Um, and I went over to it, and, and I hit the feed hold, which just, which just pauses it where it's at. It doesn't shut the machine off. In the machining world, they say if the spindle's turning, you're earning. You've got you to keep it going, right? So I, I didn't shut it off. I just paused it. 
it's paused there, and I go over, and I'm, and I'm trying, to, trying to either tighten something down or, or something like that. I forget exactly what I was doing, but, but the, the spindle is just paused right there, spinning at 5,000 RPM. And I remember I lifted up my elbow, and I was wearing a sweatshirt, right? So now, now most everybody here knows that uh, you don't wear gloves when you're using power tools, right? If you're working a bandsaw or, you know, a table saw, something like that. You, you don't want to be wearing gloves, because if that thing catches you, it's going to pull your hand into it, right? Well, I'm wearing this sweatshirt. Now, thankfully, the sweatshirt was very thin material. But I, I, had, I had lifted that elbow up, and it, that spindle grabbed that sweatshirt right there. Now, you can imagine, at 5,000 RPM, how fast do you think it'd take for that, to, for that spindle to wrap that sweatshirt up? I've never had a tourniquet on my arm, but I'd imagine this is what it felt like. Like, like, like a, a, a boa constrictor around my arm, right? It wrapped that sweatshirt up, and in, in a split second, that adrenaline spiked. I knew exactly what was happening. It had pulled my body in. That sweatshirt was extremely tight, but thankfully, because of how thin the material of the sweatshirt was, I was able to rip that thing away. Well, hey, guess what? I learned from my mistakes that day. If I ever see somebody doing that same thing in the same kind of position that that I was in, if, if they're over there working on the mill, they've got the feed hold button paused and that spindle's turning and they got long sleeves on, I'm going to go over to them and say, hey, um, I think you should switch over to the, the shop apron or the, the t-shirt you've got under, uh, underneath that, right? There, there's some advice I'd like to give you. And when it comes to passages in the Old Testament, they're, they're here for a reason. They're here for our admonition and for our learning. So I want to make sure that as we go through this passage that we we have that in mind, that this, this message today isn't necessarily going to be a rebuke. Unless, of course, the Lord delivers it to you that way. But this message is more of an admonition or, or a warning. To, to not repeat the same kinds of mistakes that the people in the past have done. You've got to think with me, the, the, the book of Jeremiah... Israel is in a state where, where it's very much like the modern-day church, the Laodicean church. Um, and the, the parallels are really uncanny. They're, they're so similar in many ways. In the book of Jeremiah, Israel turns to God and then backslides, turns to God and backslides, turns to God. It's this reoccurring process. In chapter 8, I believe it is, God, God calls it a perpetual backsliding. And that's the state that the church is in today. And so I'd like to warn you, Christian, if God cut off Israel, don't think for a second God's not going to cut off the Gentile as well. As a matter of fact, we know for a fact that it's going to happen, and he's going to cut off the Gentile and go back to Israel. Be careful. I, I want to ask you a question. Are you interested in learning something this morning? Are you interested in learning from the mistakes that other people Made so that we don't have to live with the same kind of dire consequences. See, the Laodicean church figures, they already have everything figured out, right? When you read over there in Revelation, God says that they say that they are increased with goods and in need of nothing. They don't want a preacher to get up and say, thus saith the Lord. We don't want to hear that. What, what people nowadays want from the preacher is they want the preacher to get up and give them what God says, but only if what God says already lines up with what's already in my heart. 
So we, we come to the book of Jeremiah, and the, the people come up to Jeremiah, and they're going to ask him a question. They're going to say, hey, can you, can you go to God for us? Look, we've been, we've been debating about something. There's something we want, want to do. We're kind of going back and forth on this thing. You're the prophet, right? I would like you, can you hey, can you please go to God for us with, with this question we have? We're, we're looking for some advice, okay? But the, the, the fact of the matter is, as we'll see later in the chapter, they weren't being genuine. They weren't being honest. So Jeremiah chapter 42, let's read verses 2 through 5. In verse 1, the people come up to him. Verse 2 says, And said unto Jeremiah the prophet, Let we beseech thee our supplication be accepted before thee, and pray for us unto the Lord thy God, even for all this remnant. <laughs> look, at, look at this in parentheses. For, for we are left but a few of many, as thine eyes do behold us. Oh, poor us. Look at verse 3. That the Lord thy, thy God, interesting, may show us the way wherein we may walk, and the thing that we may do. Then Jeremiah the prophet said unto them, I have heard you. Behold, I will pray unto the Lord your God according to your words, and it shall come to pass that whatsoever thing the Lord shall answer you, I will declare it unto you. I will keep nothing back from you. Then said they to Jeremiah, The Lord be a true and faithful witness between us. If we do not even according to all, all, uh, all things for the which the Lord thy God shall send thee to us. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, Brother Todd, would you mind praying for us? Thank you. So, before we dive into more of these verses here, I want to tell you a little bit about the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah was known as a weeping prophet, but you've got to understand he was not a weak prophet. Jeremiah was known as a compassionate prophet, but he was not a prophet of compromise. Jeremiah was a sensitive prophet, but he was not without strength. He was childlike before God, but he was lion-like before men. This prophet of God was a mighty man, but all throughout the book of Jeremiah, we see that he was not without his struggles. He was not without pain. Jeremiah knew what it had been like to be down in that miry pit. He had gone through the wine press, if you will, of wanting to quit. He got called to preach, and he, he goes out there and he begins to preach. And throughout his entire ministry, the, there was not this, this flocking of people to the Word of God. That He wasn't filling up the church house. He, he, wasn't, he wasn't seeing tons of people repent. I mean, there were, there were very minor revivals where they would just backslide once again. And he, he didn't really see much fruit for his efforts. And, and God gives him messages of judgment over and over again. Judgment and judgment and judgment and more judgment. And the people don't want it. The people don't appreciate it. So much so that Jeremiah ends up finding himself in that miry pit. In that pit with that human waste, man, all the way up to, it, to his head, man. Jeremiah gets to the point where he says, I'm done. I'm I'm finished. I quit. He's not unlike Elijah the prophet. Elijah got the same way. 
See, ministry is made from misery. And that, that power that Jeremiah had in his ministry comes from that pressure that he was under. It comes from what God's able to do when you're down in that miry pit. Those who God uses the most are going to be those who God is able to shape and mold into the image of his son. It's not so much the the fire of the furnace that I'm concerned about, that, that that we get hesitant of. No, it's when he takes you out of the furnace and he he grabs that hammer of his and he starts to mold and shape you. That can be a painful process. Even though Jeremiah here was called of God, there were certain things in Jeremiah's life that God said, hey, we need to to change some things here. You're you're not fitting into the mold that I have for you exactly the way that you need to be. So Jeremiah goes through through all this trouble and he comes out and he says, you know, I quit. I'm done. I'm I'm not opening my my mouth again. Somebody else can do the, the job of a prophet. Somebody else can preach. I'm not interested in Israel anymore. I'm done. He, he had his bags packed and, and ready to leave. Now, I'm not going to rehash uh, the, the message that Pastor Peacock preached about the miry pit. It was a great sermon. And, and uh, if you're down in that pit this morning and you're discouraged, I would encourage you to go, go listen to that message. But there are some things I want to draw your attention to about it. See, the, the, we might not be in a... a physical pit with human feces, but oftentimes we are in that pit of discouragement and despair, and, and, and oftentimes when we're down there, man, other people have a way of just coming by and dumping a lot more on you, just dumping their problems and their burdens and their trials. There, there is nothing that'll make you want to quit more than other people. Come to think about it, you know, I, I think this world would actually be Quite the nice kind of place if it weren't for the people in it. <laughs> what happens when we're down in that pit is we get depressed and we get discouraged and we get down there and, and, and you just get frustrated and people keep dumping their problems on you. People keep dumping their, their burdens on you. And Jeremiah gets to the point where he finally comes up. He comes up out of that pit. He gets cleaned up. He gets washed. He, he, he gets given some water and, and, and given some bread. And, and it's at that point, Jeremiah says, I'm done. I've had it. I'm not going to speak about God anymore. But the funny thing is, is after a little while, that Holy Spirit started blowing on the, the embers in his soul just a little bit. And, and the Holy Spirit started blowing on those and that that fire began to spark up once again, and Jeremiah began to feel something in the inside again. There was a a fire burning inside, and and the Lord had to tell him, no, 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 not yet. You're not ready. you got to be quiet. And Jeremiah said, but I can't keep it in. I can't restrain myself. There's a fire shut up in my bones. i got to talk about you. And God looks at him and goes, welcome back, Jeremiah. I just want to mention real quick, thank God he doesn't kick us aside when we're ready to quit. Don't be discouraged about wanting to quit. Better men and women than you and me have wanted to quit. Ladies and gentlemen, Jeremiah comes up out of that pit long-term better than when he went in. God takes other people's problems and burdens And puts them on us in order for us to become better ministers for Him. 
He comes out, and, and in Jeremiah chapter 31, I'm going to read a, just a couple verses there. Jeremiah chapter 31. Jeremiah doesn't just preach judgment, although most of the time he does. Jeremiah 31. I'm just going to look at, uh, start in verse, verse 3 here. Well, look at, yeah, verse 3. Now, this is one of the few times we see a positive message from Jeremiah. All right? The, the Lord hath appeared of old, saying unto me, uh, uh, appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Again I will build thee, and thou shalt be built, O virgin of Israel. Thou shalt again be adorned with thy tabrets, and shalt go forth in the dances of them that make merry. Thou shalt yet plant vines upon the mountains of Samaria. And he goes in, and he's got this positive message for Israel. But the problem is... So even though he had a positive message, even though there were some promises that God had for them, Christian, the people took it for granted. And before you know it, Jeremiah comes to the point where he's weeping again and he's saying, God, they're just not listening. Just having the the promises of a better life to come is is not enough to, to keep you where the Lord wants you to be. So, come back to Jeremiah 42. We come to this passage, and, and you've got to understand now, Jeremiah has, has been through the ringer, man. He, he's, man he, he's been in that pit, and, and, and so he's going to approach the people slightly different. He's going to approach the people with a little bit of a different spirit here. He says, all right, I'll, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. You guys have this request of me, right? You're, you're coming to me and, and you've got a question. You, you're a- asking me to go talk to the Lord for you. He says, all right, here's what I'm going to do. You seem to be coming at me from the right heart. But the thing is, Jeremiah has been burned before. All right? So, so he says, I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll talk to God for you. But let me tell you something. You've got to understand that when, when I deliver the message to you, it's not me saying it. It's coming straight from God. I'm not going to be your, your mediator between you and God. Wh- whatever God tells you to do, if something bad happens to you, you can't point at me and say, yeah, but, but Jeremiah told us. They tried, they tried to put Jeremiah in, in a box. I mean, look, look, at verse, look at verse 3 again. That the Lord thy God may show us the way wherein we may walk and the thing that we may do. And Jeremiah turns it around on him, all right? He puts the ball back in their court. Then Jeremiah, in verse 4, Then Jeremiah the prophet said unto them, I have heard you. Behold, I will pray unto the Lord your God according to your words, and it shall come to pass that whatsoever thing the Lord shall answer you, I will declare it unto you. I will hold nothing back. I'm not going to get in, in between you and God, Christian. But that's not really the way most Christians nowadays want to live their life. For some reason, a lot of Christians want things legislated to, the, to them. They want to, to know what they should, should wear to church, what kind of car they should drive. The, they want to know, you know how much money they should tithe to the church. And, and really, it all comes down to the lack of personal responsibility. You, Christian, don't want to be responsible for your own life between you and God. Jeremiah said, look, I'll give you the message, but you're responsible for what God says to you. People don't like being told what to do, but Jeremiah had a message for them. At least, we you know, when they, 
when the message doesn't line up with what they want to hear, they don't like it. Now, notice, though, the promise of the people in, in verse 5 and 6 here. It says, Then they said to Jeremiah, The Lord be a true and faithful witness between us, if we, if we do not even according to all things for the, which the Lord thy God shall send thee to us. Whether it be good or whether it be evil, we will obey the voice of the Lord, our, our God. See, now they're saying our God, right? So, so now they're like, oh, okay, Jeremiah, yeah, you got us. Our, our God, our God, right, of course. That, that it may be well with us when we obey the voice of the Lord, our God. It's interesting, though, in, ver- in verse 6 there, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Is that your perspective of God, you guys? I mean, I mean think about it. What do you... What do you mean, whether it be evil? You, you really think God's going to ask something like that of you? Something evil? Man, the, the Israel here, they're, they're spiritual Pharisees. They're, they're spiritual boasters. Whatsoever thing. Really, Christian? Are you, are you serious right now? Are you serious this morning about God? Are you serious about serving Him? Whatsoever thing the Lord tells you to do, you're going to do it? All right, what if he tells you to come back to church tonight? Oh, you're just saying that because you're preaching tonight. Okay, Wednesday then. What if he tells you to come back to church on Wednesday? Well, no, no, you see, I got, you know, Wednesday night football or whatever. I don't know if that's even when they play, but, you know, no, no, no. I can't. Oh, so you're, you're telling me God told you, no, stay home and watch football instead of come to church? All right. I, hey, hey, I'm, I don't know. I don't, I'm not your mediator, Okay. Don't put me in the way. Don't put me in between you and God. It's between you and the Lord, but you've got to figure out what he's saying. What if he asks you to, uh, what if he asks you to give up your lifelong dream? 20 years you've been working for it. Hmm. Here, here, here's a rough one. What if... What if the Lord asked you to stop fretting, stop worrying about your wayward child, and just put them in the Lord's hands? Do you really mean it, Christian? Do you really mean whatsoever thing the Lord says to you? God takes some time to respond to Israel. In verse number 7, it says, And it came to pass after ten days. It took a while. God might not respond to the request you have right away, but He's going to respond. And when He does, you better make sure your heart's right with the Lord. Look at verses 9 through 10. God responds to them and said unto them, Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, unto whom ye sent me to present your supplication before Him, if ye will still abide in this land, then I will build you and not pull you down. And I will plant you and not pluck you up, for I repent me of the evil that I have done unto you. Be not afraid of the king of Babylon, of whom ye are afraid. Be not afraid of him, saith the Lord, for I am with you to save you and to deliver you from his hand. God makes some promises to the people here, if only they would heed his instruction. But I want to look at here what what happens to the the people of Israel, all right? Look at verses 13 and 14. It says, But if ye say, We will not dwell in this land, neither obey the voice of the Lord your God, saying, No, but we will go into the land of Egypt, where we shall see no war, nor hear the sound of the trumpet, nor have hunger of bread, and there will we dwell. 
Now, now I want to be careful because this, this is not a, uh, like I mentioned it in the beginning, this is not a, a rebuke. That I don't want to guilt trip you into certain things. The, but the Christian life, you guys, is a, a life of conflict. You, you find in the next passage that, that they tell Jeremiah, look, when, when, we were, when, we had, when we were offering these drink offerings to the Queen of Heaven, everything was going fine for us. We, we didn't have all of this trouble and, and these trials and this tribulation. Things, things were going well. But, but Jeremiah ends up telling them, yeah, but you've got to stop your foolishness. And they say, why? Like, things are going well. And he said, because God's going to judge it. There comes a point where God gets fed up and he's going to judge it. Well, the, the people don't believe him. and They decided, you know, we're, we're not going to keep doing right. We're going to keep fooling around because, well, we haven't been bothered and troubled so far. Guess what, Christian? If you want to live in this world, in the world, in the carnal world, yeah, chances are you're not really going to have much conflict. From, from the perspective of the flesh, if, if you want to live in Egypt, there's a high likelihood that if, if you aren't serving the Lord, the devil really ain't going to give you much trouble. The trouble comes when you're trying to serve the Lord and you're trying to do right. I mean, why would the devil mess with you if you're doing things that honor and please the devil and not God? But when we get wore out, Christian, when, when you get tired of the Christian life, Our response becomes the same as verse 13 that we read already. It says, We will not dwell in this land, neither obey the voice of the Lord your God. The Lord wants you to stay put. The Lord has given you some things, Christian, but for some reason the the call of Egypt comes back to us and and you just get tired and, and... And you get rebellious, verse 14, saying, No, but we will go into the land of Egypt, where we shall see no war. Why? Well, I I get it. It's because you're tired of fighting. God God tells us the Christian life is a, a life of conflict. You're going to be fighting against things. Things are not going to go easy for us all the time. I mean, you, you think of... You know, you think of Paul answering that Macedonian call, right? And in 2 Corinthians uh, 7, he tells us, We were troubled on every side. Without were fightings, within were fears. I mean, I mean, he's resp- I mean, this is the Apostle Paul. He's responding to God about this call to go and minister somewhere. And he gets on that boat. Man, I imagine it was probably a sunny day. The, the wind was blowing, right? And he gets on that boat and he heads, heads over there. And there's that demon-possessed woman that starts following around them around. They, they end up getting thrown in prison. But you know what Paul's response was? He didn't say, oh, woe is me, I'm a prisoner of the government. No, he said, I'm a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, if this is where the Lord wants me, and I'm in prison at this moment, then it mu- I must be in God's will, and I'm going to glory and worship the Lord. But, but we look at circumstances like that, and we think, no, this, this can't be right. This, this can't. There, there, there's conflict here. This, this, God wouldn't do this to me. The light, Christian life just gets to be a, a grind, and I'm, I'm sympathetic towards you. Please understand that. I'm sympathetic, but the, 
The truth of the matter is, is that if you're going to live for God and, and do something for, for Him, guess what? The, the world, the flesh, and the devil are going to come after you. If you get tired of fighting and go back to Egypt like Israel wanted to do, then from the perspective of the flesh, yes, you're going to get some relief. Secondly, verse 14 here, it says, Nor hear the sound of the trumpet as well. The the first point there was, we shall see no war. You're tired of the conflict. But then it also says, nor hear the sound of the trumpet. Scripture says there's a famine in the land for hearers of the word of God. One of the signs that you're getting ready to pack up your bags and head to Egypt is that you get tired of hearing sound preaching. You get tired of coming to church. You remember when you first started coming to church here, though? Why was it you started coming? You started coming here because you were excited and thrilled by the preaching of the Word of God. But you can get to the point where you get sick and tired of preaching. I've had enough of it. Really? What do you think heaven's going to be like? There's going to be a whole lot of preaching up there. You say, well, they're going to have better preachers up there. Okay, I'll give you that, but... Man, when we're up there, we're going to have the, the mind of Christ. And The thing is, though, you're not going to get any rewards for having to endure what you have to endure down here. Pick up those heavy feet and make your way over to church again. It's, it's difficult, I know. But there's a, re- a reward for it, Christian. We get tired of seeing war We get tired of hearing the sound of the trumpet. Verse 14 also says, Nor have hunger of bread. You ever get tired of reading your Bible? Of course, publicly you would never say that, right? No, no, no. But you ever get tired of that? It just kind of becomes a routine after a while. It's, It's the bread of life, you understand? Now look, I'm not getting on your case about this, okay? Because, see, see, Jeremiah says to them, and, and God gives them the promise, if, if you abide in the land, right, then there's certain things that will follow. And, and for us, that's if you stay in fellowship with the Lord, then you have these certain promises. It, but if your fellowship is not right with the Lord, then, well, you know what happens? You, you don't want to fight anymore. You get, you get tired of all that stuff. You get tired of eating the same old bread over and over again. And, and I, I could say some things, that could, that could intentionally try to guilt trip you, you understand, into serving the Lord. But, but Jesus Christ paid it all, did he not? Now, now hear me out, because I want to make sure that the, the spirit of this comes across correctly. But if Jesus Christ paid it all, then you don't owe him anything. He, he gave it as a gift, did he not? See, your, your service to Jesus Christ, it's supposed to be something that flows out of the heart of love that you have for him and, and, and not out of this, this, the, the, this thought that you have to serve the Lord. If, if you're trying to repay Jesus Christ back for something that he did, you guys, you can't ever repay back the Lord for what he did on that cross. Every time you try to make a payment, man, he raises that interest rate. It's not something that can be paid back. It has to come from your heart. I mean, the, the last time you went and read your Bible, you, you read it because it was something that you had to do. You read it because it was something that you wanted to do. 
Right? Christian? Not because you had to. You know what happens in this passage? I'm sure you've read it before, but they're, they're not hungry for the, the bread of the Lord anymore. They want different bread. They want the bread of Egypt. And guess what? They decide to take off. Israel decides, all right, it's time to leave. Uh, verse 14 ends and, and where it says, and there will we, will we dwell. They wind up in Egypt, you guys. And Now, um, because of their disobedience, the Lord ends up sending uh, some, some consequences their way. And uh, it, it's kind of funny. If you look, look at verse 16 here. It says, Then it shall come to pass that the sword, because they went to Egypt, because the sword which ye feared shall overtake you there in the land of Egypt, and the famine whereof you were afraid shall follow close after you there in Egypt, and there ye shall die. It's kind of funny how the, the things that they, they thought they were escaping by going to Egypt are the very things that follow them. It's the very things that God uses to destroy them. Famine comes, pestilence comes. In the end of verse 17 there it says, None of them shall remain or escape from the evil that I will bring upon them. Now hear me out because I'm, I'm skeptical of giving you, giving you the warning because I don't want you to think that your motivation for serving God is that if you don't, there are certain curses that are to follow. But I have to tell you that the Word of God is a two-edged sword. Sure, it's intended to, to defend you and protect you, to, to help you, to heal you. But if you, re, you reject what this book says and you choose to go to Egypt, there's going to be certain consequences that come along with that. The only thing left for you in Egypt is stale and moldy bread, famine, disease, death, pestilence. Now why would you want to go back to Egypt? For the people here, it was all because of the fear of the king of Babylon. They had lost their fear of the Lord. You know, Israel actually ends up telling Jeremiah, well, you know, the, the response that you gave us, that's not actually God talking. That's just, your, that's just you, Jeremiah. That's just your opinion. If we look at verses 19 through 20 here, look, God, God already knew what was in their hearts. You understand? Now, Jeremiah didn't. But God told Jeremiah what was in their hearts. Otherwise, Jeremiah never would have even went to the Lord with a request. Verse 19, 20, The Lord hath said concerning you, O ye remnant of Judah, Go ye not into Egypt, know certainly that I have admonished you this day, for ye dissembled in your hearts. That is, they had, they had a, like a mask on, okay? There was deception there in their hearts. You had, for ye dissembled in your hearts when ye sent me unto the Lord your God, saying, Pray for us unto the Lord our God, and according to... Uh, unto all that the Lord our God shall say, so declare it unto us, and we will do it. God, God knew that they weren't being genuine, and he told Jeremiah this. Jeremiah thought they were, but God knew better. And Christian, you can't pull the wool over Pastor Mike's eyes, for example. Or you, I'm sorry, you can pull the wool over Pastor Mike's eyes. You can, you can trick the preacher. You can trick the prophet of God. You can deceive him, but God sees straight through it. So, to, in, in, in conclusion here, wrapping up, chapter 43 comes along and, and they wind up in apostasy and the entire remnant gets destroyed. They got tired 
They got wore out. They figured, you know, I just don't need this anymore. I've already got enough burdens and enough tri- trials and, and tribulation. I'm, I'm going back to Egypt. You know, three services a week, that's a little much, don't you think? I don't know, considering the, the parallels between Israel here in Jeremiah and the Laodicean church are, are so similar, I think we probably need more than three services a week. I mean, we devote eight hours a day if you're in school to, to school and you come home and you do homework. They demand so much of you. You, you go to work for eight hours a day, minimum, hopefully. Um, but you got, you got time before that. Like, you got to get ready for the day. You got to drive there and commute. And then you got you to come home afterwards. Sometimes you bring work home. This, this world demands so much of us and we just give it to the world. But, but when it comes to the things of God... All of a sudden, we're, we're too busy? Look, there's plenty of preachers, preachers out there that'll tell you everything will be just fine serving the Lord. They're, they're all over the place here. Because when, when the people come into a service like that, remember, those two pairs of eyes and two pairs of ears, they've got their, their, they're in tune with their flesh. They don't want to hear, thus saith the Lord. And so the preachers nowadays will get up and, and tell people what they want to hear. But I'm, I'm telling you, Christian, the, the minute you start serving the Lord and you serve Him seriously, there will be a noise of war in the camp. You know what's going to happen, Christian? Egypt is going to start tempting you to come on back. I've been there. You're going to get tired. Tired of the battle, tired of the war, tired of preaching. You'll get tired of this book. And remember, though, that that doesn't necessarily mean you're wicked. It just means you're human. Jeremiah got tired of it. But we see the difference between how Jeremiah responded to God and how Israel responded to God. And as we know, in this Laodicean age that we live in, This day and age is going to end the same way that Israel ended here in Jeremiah. So I'd like to ask you, Christian, are you going to serve the Lord like Jeremiah? Are you going to allow the Lord to shape and mold you? To to voluntarily take on those those burdens and those tribulations, those those difficulties that, that you have as well as those that other people have? Or are you going to get sick and tired of it and... And end up being known as a Laodicean church. Let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, I just thank you for uh, this opportunity to be here. And, and Lord, I pray that, that uh, something that was, was said this morning w- 